Being around sports media and a fan of, oh, my NC State Wolfpack for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed magic in Chicago, Michael in LA and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former sports center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week of the podcast, Trey and Kevin will probably open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment for the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall. Legacies will change forever. New goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. Then there were two. The Super Bowl is set. Oh, my goodness. The 2019 NFL season is down to the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. They will meet in Super Super Bowl LIV in Miami. It's going to be LIT. Am I Oof. right, Wilson? Well, that's actually not bad. I'll give him credit for that. What? When did Rob Gronkowski start hosting our podcast? That totally sounds like something Gronk would say. It does. It does. You you can really tell the the you like it's like like uh you can tell that I started drinking beer again. I just gave up on dry January. I'm back, baby. I'm back. Brinson's uh pregame. He had to get his tolerance up for the Super Bowl trip. You can't go to South Beach uh, after a dry January. That is just a health hazard waiting to happen. Well, you know, I did do that for the Minnesota Super Bowl. We, I did dry January for like the full 30 days and landed and we went out to like a company dinner and two beers in, I could, I, I felt like I was like swimming or flying or like, like I was like, I was, couldn't talk, couldn't make conversation. I was, so I was like, you know, I need to ease in. Uh, so I'm taking, you know, I'm probably going to do another five days before it. Uh, but then we fly down next Sunday. We'll be in uh, Miami for a full week, pumped for it. We're going to have tons of shows from there. Tons of great guests. We'll be recording live from Radio Row. Well, not live. We'll be recording live, and then we'll be putting it on the podcast <laughs> feed. Um, it's going to be su- all Super Friends all week. You ready for it? We're going to be in person. Brinson, Ryan, Breach, Debo's going to be there. Sean Wagner McGuff will be there. Jared do- Dubin will be there. Yes, do-, do we have to wear Speedos? Why do you keep mentioning that I'm, I might be wearing a Speedo? I don't get what it. What is it with you in the Speedos? I just want to make sure we don't have to wear Speedos. It sounds like something Brent would toss on us at the last second, like email us Sunday night. But, guys, about the Pick 6 podcast this week, it's in Speedos. I, mean, I, like, I, I drink a bunch of beer, and I have, like, I don't, you know, like. Yeah, and you come up with those ideas after you've had a few beers. Speedos, not where you want to be. I, I know why Speedos, he's talking. not Speedos. He's talking about Speedos because he actually likes to wear Speedos, and he's trying to talk you into talking <laughs> him into doing it so he doesn't feel awkward when he comes out to the hotel. Cool. And nothing but a little banana hammock. It's like a, uh, it's like the, the Br'er Rabbit thing. Like, oh, don't make me wear a Speedo, Brinson, please. Anything but that. Um. You can leave a five-star <laughs> review, by the way. If you want to see breaches of Banana Hammock, yeah. leave a five-star review. Yeah, please save our breaches. Keep us from letting Breach wear a Speedo. Leave a five-star review. If we get enough, we will stop Breach from doing that. Um, if you have a question about the Super Bowl, anything game-related, prop-related, um, you know, theory about how the game is going to play out, you want us to answer a question throughout the week, we'll have tons of time to talk about it. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. 
five stars, ask a question. I've seen it on Devo's master sheet that we have for the, for the podcast. Um, there's rows and rows of, uh, of questions that we will answer. We have them all prepared to answer. You keep leaving them. We'll get them answered. Don't you worry about it. But we got to talk about some football first. I don't want to say there were two great games, but uh, there is something comforting about two games going exactly the way you predict in a, in a way like they weren't exciting. They weren't thrilling. The AFC Championship game and the NFC Championship game. Uh, the NFC Championship game, total snoozer, 37-20, San Francisco over Green Bay. We'll get to that one in a minute, but, and we'll talk about the Super Bowl, get some winners and losers, previews, uh, preview Chiefs 49ers. First, though, Kansas City, 35, Tennessee, 24. Now, Ryan and John, this is where you guys get to brag that you picked the Chiefs to go to the Super Bowl. And this is where I call you, Breach, a fraud, because you actually picked the Titans to win this game but we knew all along you didn't really believe it, and you were just trying to, like, rile up people in Nashville. You are trying to turn into, like, a local celebrity who, who predicted the big run. Uh, it's over. So you can admit that this was all a shell game, con jam, <laughs> fraud alert. There are people who make millions of dollars playing that shell game on South Beach, Princeton. They hustle everyone. Uh, was there ever a point where you actually thought the Titans would win the game? Not, not just before, but in the game. All right, I will say that in the second quarter, when they went up 17-7, to in my head, I'm literally thinking this is exactly how the Titans wanted this game to play out. This first half is going absolutely perfect, and the Chiefs are going to get their points, but at that point, it wouldn't have mattered because Kansas City couldn't stop anything Tennessee was doing. You know, we, we came in saying, hey, the Chiefs don't have a great defense. Yeah, they kind of shut down the Texans after Houston exploded for 24 points, uh, but that kind of everybody overlooked the fact that, yes, they still gave up those 24 points and fell behind 24 nothing. And so Tennessee came out and everything they did was working. But then I'll tell you, by halftime, the Patrick Mahomes 27-yard touchdown run, in my head, that was like the nail in the coffin because I was thinking, hey, look, Tennessee just played a perfect first half and they're still losing. And there's no way they're going to play as good in the second half as in the first half. And so it kind of fell after that Mahomes touchdown run. That was that deflated everything for Tennessee. I mean, they still had a chance. It wasn't like the game was over at that point, but it felt like it was. I would agree completely. And you answered another one of my questions, which was, which was what was the turning point? And I have uh, written down here for my answer, halftime touchdown, as in the touchdown that the Chiefs scored right before halftime to make it 21 to 17. Once again, Ryan, uh, for the second straight week in a row, a team from the AFC South came to Kansas City. They got an early lead. And once again, Patrick Mahomes went into halftime with the lead himself because of, frankly, just how well he's playing. He was the leading rusher at eight carries for 53 yards and a touchdown. Damian Williams got in the end zone, too. Mahomes, 23 of 35, 294 passing yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Pete Prisco texted me and said that Mahomes was missing guys uh, over the top a little bit throughout the game that you, he's like, you probably can't see it from TV. Maybe he wasn't taking as many deep shots. But I thought Mahomes was pretty freaking masterful throughout that game. Yeah, and it's sort of weird that he's running the ball more now than ever. He had 50-plus yards, rushing yards last week as well, and he's sort of an integral part of that running game in Andy Reid's system, which actually sort of makes sense. The best running back on the team would, in Andy Reid's system, be a quarterback. Uh, so I was looking while Breach was talking. Eight series, by my count, for the Titans offensive series. The last three um, – Derrick Henry didn't run the ball once. He caught a couple passes behind the line of scrimmage. They were down at that point in the second half, so you understand why. But um, 
the first. So here's the thing: uh, they were able to the Chiefs. Uh, defense to stop the che- uh, the Titans from running the ball. We knew everything went through Derrick Henry. We saw that in the first two playoff games in New England and Baltimore, and we knew what exactly was going to happen. And Derrick Henry only had uh, two runs of more than 10 yards, and they happened on the second and third series in the first half when they were obviously winning that football game. You mentioned what happened at halftime when they went down at that end-of-half touchdown. Um, and I just think we were trying to figure out whether um, – Ryan Tannehill will be able to put this team on his shoulder should it come to that. And he didn't play poorly. He was 21 or 31, 209 yards, 209 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. But he just couldn't do it by himself. Um, he's going to get franchised or get a long-term deal. He's not going anywhere. He's part of the solution there. But it just showed that Derrick Henry couldn't do it by himself. I asked Breach last week, uh, are you concerned about Derrick Henry being run down? He said, no, I'm not. And he wasn't run down. Just the Chiefs were able to slow him down enough to let – Patrick Mahomes that offense get warmed up, and once they got warmed up, just like they did last week against the Texans, it was lights out. Um, breach, I apologize. I pulled a breach. I wasn't listening while you were talking because I was looking something up. Unlike last week where we all agreed that at 24-14 to 14, when the Texans were leading and the Chiefs scored to make it 24-14, we all knew that the Chiefs were going to win that football game. When it was 10 nothing, did you have any sense that the Titans were going to win the game? Percentage-wise, what would you say? Uh, no, not 10 nothing. It was too early. I was telling Brinson 17-7 is when I thought, just, wow. Did you just ask you the exact same question I asked? No, he, he asked me if I thought it was over at 10 nothing, And said, so. And, I, I and he admitted he wasn't, wasn't, he wasn't listening. Yeah, because he was looking something up. So I'm, I'll just well, rehash that really, really, really fast. Instead of saying the same, instead of the same, saying the same answer, why don't well, you. I'm going to add something on. Why don't you listen to what Frank Clark had to say about stopping Derek? Had two games, and he's game. 70 yards, over 200 yards, he's game. I know damn well we wasn't going to win the game. We let that happen. They come in here. He ran for 70 yards. They call him the best rusher in the league. We're sitting in this home early. I posted the comments that you said to me. And all over social media, everybody said you better watch your back, and you're saying things that you can't cash. Everybody on social media said. They must not know who I am yet. They're going to find out sooner or later when I got that ring on my finger. At the end of the day, we Champions, AFC, that trophy that got my own the last name on it, that the KC, that KC, ain't no fall off. Last year, jump off sides, all that. I told him when I got here, the going to change. Look at the we the best world. Go join. <laughs> that was fried. fired up Frank Clark uh, telling NFL media's James Palmer. By the way, James Palmer, good dude, better hair. You know, I'm complimenting your hair. You got great hair. James Palmer. Great hair, and uh, he was interviewing. Is it because it's real? Oh, I was just. Oh, boom! Sean wasn't here to make the joke. Someone had to. Dunked on, and your toupee came off when he dunked on you. (laughs) Oh man! But anyway, Frank Clark, who had said that tackling Derrick Henry not that big a deal, talked to James Palmer and was obviously pretty fired up. Clark, Chris Jones, D. I mean not D. Ford. Clark and Chris Jones, um, critical to slowing down Derrick Henry breach. Uh, they were, but I'm going to give uh, them about 40% of the credit. I'm going to give the other 60% to Arthur Smith and the Titans just giving up on their game plan, which had not happened in the first two weeks. Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry only had three carries in the second half. This game was 21 to 17 at halftime. There's no reason your star running back, who at that point in the first half averaged nearly four yards per carry, which is not Derrick Henry good, but that's every other running back in the NFL good. You're averaging four yards per carry, three runs. That's 12 yards. You get a first down every time. You keep feeding the beast. He only got the ball three times in the entire second half, and the one that perplexed me the most was first drive of the second half. The Chiefs go 
They punt. They had to punt. Ten, and ten that, is 37 yards, and then they punted. Yeah. Right. And then and then the Titans get the ball back, and then the Chiefs get the ball back. They score a touchdown. Now they're up 28-17. And at that point, if you're Tennessee, it's like they panicked. You're only down 11 points, and all of a sudden they said, for whatever reason, oh, we got to let Tannehill sling it. We got we, Derek's done. We're not going to give him the ball anymore. We are throwing it. And that's what happened. They didn't. Derek Henry did not touch the ball on a handoff. After Kansas City went up 28-17, which blew my mind because you can still play your game because your defense is going to have to make a stop eventually. There's no reason you turn the ball over to Ryan Tannehill at that point. You keep going. You keep giving the ball to Derrick Henry. So I was surprised they did not do that. Obviously, the Chiefs did a way better job of tackling Henry than the the Ravens and Patriots did. But it wasn't like they held him to two yards per carry. So I thought it was the Titans kind of psyched themselves out offensively. But you know, I'll give the Chiefs all the credit offensively because they just went up and down the field and it wasn't even close. No, it's a great point, too, because uh, as we noted previewing this game multiple times on here and elsewhere, the Chiefs beat the, the Chiefs, the Titans beat the Chiefs in the regular season. And they did it in a game where they were trailing by six points or more three different times. And they kept running Derrick Henry as part of their comeback plan. Like they were down 10 points and they were just feeding Henry and he broke off a long run. I thought that's sort of the sort of where they messed up, too. It's like, all of a sudden, you're just being overwhelmed by the the scene and what Patrick Mahomes can do on offense, and you do panic and you don't let Henry control the game. I also think, you know, one other thing that I think is important here too is that um, the way the Titans operated in the first half, and they're you know they're up seventeen seven, they were melting as much clock off as possible. They were trying to shorten the game, and it backfired a little bit because when you're down twenty eight seventeen and you've used up all of that time, and it's and you know it's late in the game so to speak, you have less possessions, you have less opportunity to try and come back. And I think that was sort of a situation where they did panic a little bit. Um, you know, in the second half, they went six plays, twenty one yards, punt. Four plays, ten yards, punt. Eight plays, 80 yards, touchdown, but that was when they were, uh, they were already losing by three scores. And so that was really, that was to cut it, uh, to 11 points and then five plays, negative two yards, turnover on downs, and Patrick Mahomes takes knees. And to Brinson's point, real quick, in that regular season game, the Chiefs were winning 29 to 20 with 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. So they were down two scores, which is similar to being down two scores, except in the playoff game, they were down two scores with 14 minutes left in the fourth quarter. So they actually had more time to work with. And in the regular season game, as Brinson mentioned, they did not give up on Derrick Henry. They kept running it. They stuck to their game plan, uh, and they came back and won. And in this game, they just tore up the playbook, threw it into the wind, and said, let's try and win it with Tannehill, which, uh, you know, that's not a great idea. I would just point out, and I don't disagree with what you're saying. I'm not going to blame Arthur Smith. I'm, on, I'm still on the Arthur Smith bandwagon. <laughs> I'm in the FedEx truck. I'm not jumping off that thing just yet. Whether it's via air or ground, his offense delivers. There you go. So listen, so here's the the, the first drive of the second half for the Titans. Um, Henry had runs of three yards, four yards, and zero yards. So not exactly Derrick Henry used to seeing. Um, they ran six plays in the third quarter. Uh, the second drive, he had one run of negative two yards. Actually, it was a catch, sorry. Um, uh, that was the only time he touched the ball on that drive in which they had run six plays total in, in the third quarter when the Chiefs were obviously um, – Building that lead, and I and the other thing, breach that I would point to, and you pointed to the last time they met up, matched up, that was the first game. Patty Mahomes was back from that knee dislocation, and he didn't have a rush in that game at all. He threw for 400 yards, so it wasn't like he was off his game. But I, I do wonder if they had a slightly different game plan, knowing that Patrick Mahomes wasn't quote unquote 100 percent, whereas he clearly looks to be that and then some. So I, I'm not going to blame Arthur Smith. It was an incredibly tough situation. That 10-0. 
uh, lead that they jumped out to was a great story, but no one really felt they could sustain it. I, I just, I, maybe they did overreact by rolling with Tannehill and seeing what could happen, but it wasn't like they had a ton of opportunities, um, in the second half anyway. So maybe, maybe like the rest of the world, they were stunned by Patrick Mahomes touchdown run to close out the first half. What did Mahomes have to say about that? Glad you asked. Yeah, they're playing a, a kind of a version of two man with a, or kind of 11 double, I guess you would say, where they were kind of doubling with Tyreek and the speed and Kelsey, uh, obviously with the things he did last week. And so, uh, when, when them playing like that, uh, they, they, the line kind of got them all put back in, and the D linemen all kind of together in the line. So I, I broke it. I was thinking about just running out of bounds. And as I got to the sideline, I realized that I could cut up and I was running down the sideline and re- I knew we had two timeouts. So I was like, I might as well try to cut it back. And so I cut it back and luckily was able to hang on to the ball and get in the end zone. Did Andy tell you he wanted you to slide? No, he didn't. I mean, I think that's the best thing about playing with Coach Reed. Playing for Coach Reed is that he he lets you be who you are. He lets you go out there and and really play the way that you want to play as long as it's uh, according to the guidelines of how to play the quarterback position. He lets you be who you are. Yeah, and uh, look, I, I mean, I don't want to under. I mean, I don't want to move too quickly past it. That was. That was a play where I got like I'm on a text thread with a couple friends, and it was like like it was a play where everybody tweets wow at the same time, and like you get like texts on these text threads where it's like oh my god like Mahomes are you kidding me? I mean, it was very weird because it wasn't Lamar Jackson like it was very He's slow motion when he runs sort of. Yeah, it was like it looked like he was running out of bounds, and then he tiptoes the the sideline, then he breaks into the open field, and then he powered his way to the end zone, and he almost fumbled the ball when he like when he looked up. It was crazy too, because he's he lands on the ground in the end zone, and he looks up and looks to the left, and he's like hoping he got a first down or something. I don't know what he was hoping. He like he didn't know what he was looking for. He's like, oh, end zone, yeah, I'm gonna flex then. Uh, it, it just an incredible physical effort, and I do. Ready, um, sorry, are we are we ready for some Patrick Mahomes fun facts? Absolutely. But I was going to – and we can talk about this a little bit, but I think that that running capability is worth noting for the Super Bowl because yeah. the 49ers have had struggle, struggles with teams, uh, the Seahawks, the Cardinals, uh, who and, and the Ravens. No, all good teams. We're all decent teams and decent Steve quarterbacks. Steve and Mason Rudolph. True, true. It's a great point, Ryan. So uh, uh, regarding the 27-yard touchdown, that was the longest TD run of Patrick Mahomes' career, and Mahomes has more rushing touchdowns in the playoffs – Two of them, than all other quarterbacks in Chief history combined, zero. That's a good fun fact. Elvis Gerback never had any. Weird, right? <laughs> Joe Montana never had any, or not more than Mahomes. Trent Green didn't. None Joe of Joe Montana was the Lamar Jackson of his era. That dude could fly. I'm just kidding. He couldn't fly at all. And by the time he's playing for the Chiefs, he could barely walk. So never. Uh, I will say that it felt like Mahomes single-handedly won this game because that touchdown run and you look at I think every single Mahomes run none of them were designed they were all scrambling and and actually it makes a lot of sense Prisco's text to you that Mahomes was overthrowing guys because it looked like he was a little bit uncomfortable throwing against this defense uh and, and so you know the 27 yard touchdown run he was kind of running around scrambles left couldn't find anyone he had the ball for a while and usually when you, when Patrick Mahomes is holding the ball for five seconds, you're just waiting for a huge play to happen. You're waiting for that no look, uncorked touchdown pass that nobody saw coming that we can all tweet about. But instead of giving us that, you know, he gave us that run. He did that multiple times in that game where he had at least five seconds in the pocket. There was no one there. 
and and all of a sudden he had to take off and he would come up with these huge chunks which would keep drives going and you could see that just kind of totally the Titans would lose their spirit every time Mahomes came up with a huge run because you know they're thinking we're covering these guys Travis Kelsey's not open Tyreek Hill's not open Sammy freaking Watkins isn't open uh but no Mahomes would just put some respect on it backbreaker with these runs so I thought Mahomes' running skills was really like the huge huge key in this game hey you're, one yeah you real, quick. Before we keep going on the fun facts I just want you to know that um Sammy Watkins cost me a big chunk of cash you and, disrespected him and, and you got dunked on in DFS I played him last week he didn't do anything I didn't play him this week I had a I had a I had a bunch of good lineups all with like Mostert Mahomes Tyreek Hill and I didn't play Sammy Watkins in any of them, I would have won a crap ton of money if I if I'd had Sammy Watkins playing. So, there so you go. yeah, people who don't know this, uh, if you haven't heard before, so at the beginning of the season, Sean Wagner McGuff and me were telling Brinson he's an idiot if he thinks that Devontae Parker is going to have more receiving yards than Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins had a huge week one, had over had three touchdowns, over 100 uh, receiving yards, and then Devontae Parker spent the next 16 weeks just going off. He had 1,200 total yards by the time it was over. So Sammy now. If we're including this playoff yard, it's at 863. He needs just 340 yards in the next 60 minutes of football to surpass Devontae Parker and make me and Sean a winner. But the fun fact, uh, that's, that's silly, obviously. The fun fact is this. Uh, only two players have 250 plus passing yards, three plus passing touchdowns, and 50 plus rush yards in multiple career playoff games. Patrick Mahomes is one. Can you guys name the other? Say it again. What's the stat? Neither one of you are listening. I, I was listening. Like, I'm trying to tell Debo to get audio of uh, George Kip talking about a shirtless Jimmy G T-shirt he's wearing. More yeah. than a minute. Anything Only two know? players have 250 plus passing yards, three plus passing touchdowns, and 50 plus rushing yards in multiple career playoff games. Mahomes is one. You no, Kaepernick. Two. Kaepernick makes sense. There's only one other one now, and his okay. name has been mentioned already on this podcast. Joe Montana. Joe Montana, 1984, before he got to Kansas City. So Ah, uh, you know what? Because he had like 50-something rushing yards and Super Bowl 19, which is an overlooked aspect. I don't know why I know that because I know my Joe Montana history. Uh, yeah, that is pretty crazy. Is Joe Montana. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I told, uh, told you guys he could run. Sammy Watkins going to Miami. You know, who's, you know who plays football in Miami? Devontae Parker. Oh, yeah. Um. Okay, so these questions, by the way, I never know if you're teeing up a, a, a clip, so I have to be quiet. So it's it's weird. You got to give me a signal. Okay, I'll start trying to give you a signal. Um, you know who else plays for uh, Kansas City Chiefs, Ryan? Travis Kelsey. Did you hear Travis Kelsey? <laughs> this is this is. By the way, uh, there were a couple moments. So like Nant, Jim Nance took this Kelsey thing in, in perfectly great stride. I don't know if you saw the intro when Tyreek Hill lifted his. That came out, came out of the, uh, the, the, the tunnel and got down on all fours and lifted his leg and peed like a dog. And Jim That's Nance talked. Yeah, it definitely happened. Um, and Jim Nance was definitely, he was like talking about an injury and just like all of a sudden went dead silent. You could tell he was like, what the, what is that guy doing? Yeah, he came out, got down on all fours, lifted his leg and then sprinted on the field. Tyree Kill did. Um, uh-huh. yeah. Um, after the game and much less controversial, uh, news, uh, Travis Kelsey was on the podium with Nance and Romo and everybody, and uh, he was just talking about adversity and overcoming things and the lesson that he learned in Kansas City. It's been seven years coming, baby. I learned one thing since I've been here. 
If you can't hear that very well, it's uh, Travis Kelsey saying, I've been here a long time, and the one thing I've learned, you got to fight for your right to party, which is a uh, BC Boys line, obviously. Can you can any can either of you sing any of the lyrics to uh, fight for your right to party? Uh, I can't, but I can sing a little Paul Revere if you want. Let me tell you a quick story. That song came out before any any of you guys were born. I think 84. Re- what? I was born in 81. Okay, so you guys are three. Your mom busted in and said, what's that noise? Mom, you're just jealous of the Beastie Boys. Uh, Also, that hypocrite smokes two packs a day. um, 1984, when that album came out, License to Ill. Paul's critique? No, no, License to Ill. Oh, License to Ill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Came out in 1984. Me and my buddy Scott Ladner drove his Volkswagen Scirocco to Crabtree. To buy the tape cassette. Crabtree's near my house. That's right. Ryan, Ryan, for our younger listeners, what is a cassette? And what is a ball? It looks like it's like a shape of an iPhone, a little smaller, two little holes in the middle you have to put in a a tape deck. And what is a station wagon? (laughs) No, it was a Scirocco. What is a Scirocco? Scirocco's a – it was a a sports car back in the day, VW. Um, It was nice. But, uh, yeah, so that's that's my initial foray into Beastie Boys. It was a huge deal. Um, not, didn't go big in the, in the Southern Baptist community, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, I, I was pumped for Travis Kelsey. I like him even more now after hearing that. Uh, yeah, the BC boys are, are legendary. Um, license, yeah, license L was the original, like one of the OG, like white Jewish rap albums of the eighties. <laughs> not many of them. Uh, okay. So from this game, um, are we missing, are we missing anything from this game? I feel big like sound. What's that? The big guy touchdown. Dennis Kelly scored. Yeah. Um, the only reason I mention that is because Adam Schefter tweeted this out during the game. The Titans traded uh, Doriel Green Beckham, who was a wide receiver, I think like a third round pick, second round pick maybe, who never really worked out. Sort of a big guy, looked like Corey Davis, and it just wasn't able to make it work. And they traded him for Dennis Kelly. And at the time, obviously, you know how fans are. They were angry that they were trading away a, a potential um, deep play threat. And it turns out Dennis Kelly ended up catching a big guy touchdown. That's the second touchdown. Yeah, and I would say too, like, this is a hard, this is a weird game because it was 21-17 going into half. There was zero points scored in the fourth quarter, in the third quarter. Not a single point was scored. Uh, with 30 seconds left in the third quarter, the Chiefs are marching down. Tyreek Hill catches a pass from Patrick Mahomes, goes out of bounds around the two, three, or four yard line, I guess. Um, and then, uh, immediately after that, the first play on the, on the fourth quarter, yeah, it was a, the three yard line, Damian Williams, Right side, touchdown, 28-17. That was a seven-minute drive, 13 plays, 73 yards. And that's what I think is kind of interesting about the Chiefs, too, is that people look at the Chiefs as this big play, you know, explosive, fast-scoring offense, and they are that. They can score, as, like, really quickly. And they were, as they were eating up clock, that's when Mahomes actually hit Sammy Watkins for 60 yards. Like he, he'll, he'll be, he'll look and look and look. And if he sees a shot down the field, he'll take it. Uh, but I think it's interesting that this Chiefs team breach is very capable of sort of putting it in third gear and just going chum, 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 and moving down the field in like kind of methodical fashion. They weren't running the ball a ton, but you know, they had this four point lead. They knew if they go down and scored that they would be up 11. 
and it would at that point, as you noted, really force the Titans to kind of ab- completely abandon their game plan and try and win with Ryan Tannehill. So that's again, that's something to watch with this total in the Super Bowl, and with you know, if you're thinking like uh, the Chiefs, you know, if they if they don't miss their if they miss their big plays, they won't get it. They can score methodically. If they are. They are an incredible offense. Well, and that was the thing, and I'm glad you brought up the Sammy Watkins touchdown because I know I said that after the Mahomes touchdown run at the end of the half was where I was like, this is probably over. It's It felt like the Chiefs were going to win at that point. But for me, the dagger to the jugular, the final nail in the coffin was that Watkins touchdown pass because, look. You think? Was, <laughs> well, well, hold on. Let me explain, Brinson. Then became an 18-point game, and you didn't think the Titans were coming Well, back. no, because it was 28-17, to 17, it was third down. So Mahomes took a huge risk. They have been playing their, the two possessions, that possession, the possession before that. They went methodical. They, they ran it more than they passed it, which the Chiefs almost never do. You just don't see them do that because they love slinging the ball. And Andy Reid had kind of decided at that point, hey, look, I think Dean Peace is kind of confusing Mahomes a little bit. And, and that goes to what Prisco was talking about with the bad throws and why he was scrambling so much and not throwing it. So we're going to run the ball because they can't stop us. So they did start in the second half running the ball a lot more. And so on that drive, uh, that they threw the 60 yard touchdown pass to Mahomes or the Sammy Watkins. They did run, pass, run, pass, run. So Dude, like it was a seven play. 88-yard drive that ate up four minutes and 21 seconds, and they scored on a 60-yard touchdown. Like, that's crazy to think about. They did six plays, 28 yards over, like, four minutes, four and a, almost four and a half minutes, and then they just took a bomb shot to Sammy Watkins. Right, I mean, like that's- right. well, yeah, and you don't expect the bomb because if, if that pass falls incomplete, the clock stops, and you're punting it back, and you're only up 11. So that was, like, the surprising part to me that he – because he could have gone short. He could have gone across the middle or something safer to get the first down to keep the clock running, but instead he threw this bomb, and, and I thought that was the play of the game – uh, in the second half and, and the dagger. So Mahomes' run obviously was the eh, the Chiefs have control. The throw to Watkins was the holy crap. That I can't believe he just did that. But and Mahomes makes those plays all the time. Yeah. Um, and, and look, I, I I can't. It's hard to it's hard to put into words accurately. But when they were up four points for the entire third quarter, it did not feel. It felt like fourteen. You know, and that was the same thing with the 49ers. Like they were up, and we'll talk about that game in a second, but like when they were up, um, 10 nothing, or like 14 nothing, it felt like 44 to nothing. And it just, you could just felt this control. Now look. The and, tit- and when the Titans were up 17-7, it felt like they were down 25 to 17. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it was like that bad, but like it did feel like 17-7. It's like, okay, okay. Although I, I actually thought I would have been scared to bet KC live in that game because um, the way that Tennessee operates, they get, they start running downhill and look all credit to the Chiefs defense. You know, they got it. They, they slowed down the, they slowed down the Titans rushing attack. They didn't let them run them over and they scored quickly. And now the Chiefs are moving on second Super Bowl in Andy Reid's career. Very exciting for, for big red. Patrick Mahomes, um, has now begun his playoff career with the most passing attempts without an interception since play by play data was tracked in 91. His most passing touchdowns, 10 in the playoffs on interception to begin his career since 1950. And, um, he has the third, his third career playoff game with three passing touchdowns, the most by a player before turning 25 in NFL history. For some reason, I didn't get to bet on over. No, I did. Why is that not in the, the odds, Debo? I looked at the sheet. I took Patrick Mahomes over passing touchdowns. You're trying to cheat me out of my money. Get my money, son. 
Debo seems unconcerned. RJ, Debo R- does not seem concerned. Uh, you mentioned Reed's last Super Bowl appearance in 2004. I just want to throw out, this is guys who are on his coaching staff for that Eagles team. He had John Harbaugh as his special teams coach, Sean McDermott as a secondary guy, Pat Shermer, and Steve Zagnuolo. Uh, like, don't, don't you dare insult Juan Castillo. That's no. yeah, a loaded coaching staff. And now he has Eric Bieniemy, who should have a coaching job, still has Spagnuolo, and it, it's just, it's insane. Andy uh, Reid puts Bob, a stud, Dave Tubes, Dave Taub's a stud, um, Dave Tubes. <laughs> he, he puts smart guys around him. That's, that's well, Andy, where I was going. Peterson and Matt Nagy, he's got, uh, Mike Kafka, a quarterback's coach, who's like a future quarter, a future, uh, future coach. And yeah, I mean, I think, uh, Andy Reid, who, you know, I'm, I want him to win a Super Bowl. We should have sound from Andy Reid. Let's hear it. For it that they uh, showed today, um, uh, never die is kind of their their thing. I mean, it's getting behind like this, tough on an old guy. But they they did they did a nice job coming back and um, uh, you know again fired up fired up to go to Miami. Need to get on a diet so I can fit in my clothes so <laughs> we can go do our thing. But um, very proud, very proud of uh, everybody and uh, the job that they did. Any reason going to go on a diet five days before he leaves for the Super Bowl? Like he's I thought he was going to say, I'm going on a diet so I can fit in my Speedo and I was going to fall out of my chair. <laughs> uh, all right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we all need diets for the Super Bowl. I've got to do some ab work. So we're going to find these things in there. Um, take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about Packers 49ers and look at the Super Bowl preview. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. All right, Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, 
Oh, a big dance party for the analytics community. Everyone's very excited for him. 37 to 20. Kyle Shanahan advances to his first year role as a head coach. Second, um, he was the offensive coordinator, of course, with the Atlanta Falcons in the dreaded 28 to 3 game. Raheem Mostert, the superstar in this one, 29 carries, 220 yards, four touchdowns. Jimmy Garoppolo finished the day six of eight. It's not a joke. Six of eight for 77 yards. And Ryan, when he was asked about it afterwards by Terry Bradshaw, he got razzed a little bit. Came in without talking to the quarterback. I got. I told you a while ago, your arm can't possibly be tired. You only threw eight passes. You, you threw that many warming up on the sideline. I was watching you. <laughs> your arm can't possibly be tired. He also, uh, Terry Bradshaw talked to Raheem Mostert, was like, I didn't know who you were earlier this year. I mispronounced your name on a highlight. I called you Mozart. Maybe I was right. <laughs> Ryan, as the resident Terry Bradshaw of our podcast, <laughs> thoughts on uh, this dominating performance? Well, let me start by saying um, Raheem Mostert's never started a, a game in his career in the NFL. Yep. That's interesting. So that may change in two weeks' time. Here are the teams that he played for. He went to Purdue, where he was primarily a kick returner or um, specialist. Um, prior to his senior season, he had run the ball uh, like 43 times he, those three years. His senior season, he finally ran the ball 93 times. But primarily kick returner, was undrafted. So he was in Eagles training camp. They signed him initially, got cut. Dolphins practice squad, Ravens practice squad, Browns practice squad, Jets, Bears, and finally the 49ers in 2016. Uh, hooked him up, and he got called up, and we just saw what happened. What do you want? Well, I was going to say that Raheem Mostert was actually mentioned this after the game. Okay. Each night, each before each game, he looks at the list of teams that cut him. Yeah, it's, it's crazy that I've been on seven different teams. I actually still have, um, you know, the cut dates, and I look at that every every before every game. I look at the cut dates uh, when I got cut. Um, you know, been on, like I said, been on seven different teams, and the journey has been crazy. You know, not even, not, not everybody can can deal with that type of stress and and uh, pain and agony that I went through. Um, but uh, like I said, I just I kept the faith in not only myself, but whoever gave me the opportunity. And this organization has done a great job. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool that like, and uh, Pro Football Reference tweeted out because they have transactions for every single player on their on their site. But he like, I mean, he. It's like two pages worth of like cut by this team, waved by this team, waved by this team. And like when the 49ers signed him, nobody was that excited. This is perfectly Shana Clanny and the, right? Like the, uh, team, the Mike, this is how Mike Shanahan made his bones. He traded Clinton Portis for Champ Bailey with the Broncos and knew that he could trot out any like, uh, Olandis Gary or Mike Anderson. Nobody, people you'd never heard of, they could work in a system. And that's Raheem Mostert for Kyle. It is, but don't forget they signed what's his name from the from the Vikings for a ton of money towards ACL the first year. And yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. So I, I get it. They sort of lucked into Raheem Mostert. It's a fantastic story because if you're on twelve practice squads or seven, literally, the the lesson is that you're probably not a very good football player in NFL terms. Mostert went against the grain, and part of that perhaps is that 
NFL teams didn't see a lot of him in college, so they didn't know what they had. And when you're buried on a, on a um, practice squad, you don't get very many opportunities. I'll leave you with this before Breach adds something, I'm sure. Uh, Rob Demosky of ESPN covers the Packers tweeted this out during the game. During um, Moser's 36-yard touchdown run, one of his many touchdown runs on the evening, he hit 21.87 miles per hour, the fastest rush by anyone in the last four preseasons. Every single NFL player runs – I think Dan Hans has pointed this out, but like – Every uh, every NFL player runs 22 miles an hour. It's like, like nobody does 23.1. Well, like, I was gonna say it almost feels like the tracker is broken. Like that's where the tracker peaks out because there's got to be at least one guy in the past five years or since they started tracking in 2016 who has hit 23. So uh, I'm calling NFL is, out. My vote, is my vote is Andy Dalton did that, but go ahead. Tyreek Hill didn't hit 23 when he chased down his own running back from behind while trailing by 20 yards. Uh, when he caught Damian Williams in the touchdown run that one time, I refuse to believe that. Refuse. Okay. Uh, you know what? The weird thing about Mozart is that, like, he even got a little lost in the shuffle with the 49ers. He had a couple big games this year during the regular season. I remember he had a huge one against the Ravens in the game they lost, ran for 146 yards. But then you look at other two weeks earlier, before that Ravens game, he only ran for 13 yards. So, the thing about Kyle Shanahan is that he likes to ride the hot hand. Whoever's working best in the offense is who he's going to roll with. He saw Mozart just kind of pull through the Packers' defense on that first series. It was like, all right, well, we're going to go with this guy the rest of the game. And then obviously Tevin Coleman got hurt, so that kind of exacerbated that, and they decided, hey, we're definitely sticking with our team. But the thing it does do is, hey, look, that's another thing the Chiefs have to worry about in the Super Bowl because if Tevin Coleman is healthy, there are literally three running backs who are – number one backs in Kyle Shanahan's head who could all get the snaps at running back, whether that's catching passes, whether that's actually running the ball. That's a lot to try and figure out for a defensive coordinator is who's going to be getting the ball. Uh, and all those guys are good at different things. Well, and it, it's also there. It's weird to say this, but obviously you would rather try and tackle Raheem Mostert or, um, or Tevin Coleman or Matt Breida than you would Derek Henry. But at least like Henry's just like this giant target. You just sort of have to gang tackle him and come flying in. These guys operate in this system where there's so much pre-snap motion. There is, um, so many different plays where the ball, where the ball could be going like that. Uh, one of the touchdown plays, they had Debo Samuel motion on the inside and come out and end up being a blocker, like a basically fullback in motion for Raheem Mostert getting to the outside on like a quasi pitch play. Um, and you know, and then you have like, George Kittle's out there, Kyle Jusek's out there. Uh, you know, like they, they just, they, I, I can't pronounce his name. Jusek. 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 Did I say Jusek? It's Juice. on Twitter. He even, he didn't spell it out for people like you, Brenton. His Twitter name is literally Juice, J-U-I-C-E, check. Right. That's what I said. I know. It's just, but you said you weren't, you weren't sure. So Ryan, you, Ryan, Ryan corrected me. I know, but I'm giving you an easy way to remember it. His Twitter name. Well, which one is it? Jusek or Jusek? Use check. Sean, Bridge is are, are you Croatian or are you English? It just depends where you're from. Bridge says Jaguars, Acorn, and <laughs> Hip Hip Hurrah. Egg, uh, egg corn. Egg corn, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's, it's juice check. Yeah. All right. All right, Ryan. In your face, you got dunked on by the juice check. Oh, we get to pour juice on you and then check oh, it off. You got juice. By the juice, man. All right. Anyway, what, what were you saying? Oh, just that, I mean, like, this run game is so, like, the Titans run game is really tough to deal with. This run game, I think, is harder to deal with in a very different way. And look, um, 
we're not going to pile on the Packers here, uh, but we are going to praise the 49ers. They're awesome. Okay. 49ers yeah. fans, they're awesome. Their defense is really good. Richard Sherman gave up one deep pass to Devontae Adams in garbage time. Made they, up at the end. They snuffed out. I mean, this game was 27 nothing at half and it didn't even feel that close. Like that, like. At that, any point were you worried when it was 34 to 14 or whatever, the 13, whatever the, the, the closest they got it? Any chance you thought there might be a comeback in the offing? Uh, when they got it to 34-20, if I had been holding, you know, if you're, you're like I had the 49ers minus seven and a half or minus eight or whatever it was, I'd been, I'd been a little worried about a back door there. That would have been annoying. Uh, my best bet for the podcast was to money line parlay the Packer, the, the, the 49ers and the, the Chiefs. I hope everybody listened and did that. That was a slam dunk winner. My, I, I also did an alternate spread parlay of uh, Chiefs minus 13 and a half, 49ers minus 13 and a half, and that should have hit, but it didn't. Uh, I'm happy to report that Pete Prisco is a loser, and he's out of money. He has no money left in our contest. Because he's so bad at this, we actually have to reboot the contest, and I've got to do a bunch of crazy stuff in the Super Bowl to catch RJ. So we'll figure it out. Maybe um, if you guys are interested, you could do the, the contest too. Sure. I'm uh... – I think we're all – you're terrible on straight-up picks, Brinson. I know that's breaches bread and butter, but I think you and I are tied postseason. We're going to do Super Bowl props. No, I understand all that, but I just want to point out that I almost tracked you down during the regular season. We're still tied in the preseason, in the postseason for against the spread, and, and Breach is very happy to have the straight-up title, which no one cares about. Uh, I'll take the straight-up title all day. Sure, postseason straight-up title ain't worth crap. Oh, uh, why? What's your straight-up record? <laughs> Oh, that's why it doesn't mean crap. Oh, there's no tie. Like if you go like seven and two, congratulations. If you go undefeated, what if you go two and seven? <laughs> Dunked on. I got my third one today. Thank you. All right, way to go. All right, go ahead. Okay, then Percy got dunked on. I think he went two and seven. If you can go undefeated against the spread in the playoffs, that's like an epic run. Like nobody ever pulls it off. Like if you do that, that is an incredible run. Um. Nobody's doing that here. Everybody had a bad run, but I got uh, I got the last, I got the two today. Don't worry about it. Two and zero, baby. Um, the the 49ers didn't throw a pass. They didn't attempt to pass for an hour and a half. Yeah. Do you know the time on the clock? Yeah, ninety minutes, right? When Jimmy G in the second half finally threw a pass? Uh, no, but I know that with so here's the time on the clock when he threw his pass, final pass in the first half. Uh, two minutes and ten seconds left. In the first half, 7.45 p.m. Eastern time. What was the time of the clock when he threw his first pass in the second half, Ryan? 8.03 in the fourth quarter. <laughs> he didn't throw a pass. There were 10 straight runs. I mean, that's 24 minutes of game time. It's incredible. 10 straight runs to start the, the, the second half, and then they're like, all right, we'll let you throw one. It's like, you know, peewee football, and he ended up throwing two. I guess he went two for two in the second half, going four for six in the first half, and uh, you didn't need him to. And that was, by the way, the 8-3 in the fourth quarter, that was Kittle's first catch of the game. Yeah. He had a 19-yard catch. That was all he had. Uh, Debo Samuel, two catches, 46 yards. Raheem Mostert had two catches for six yards. Uh, Bourne had one, and Emmanuel Sanders didn't have anything on one target. So, look, th- this is this is fine. If you can win like this, win like this. If you can go in there and exert your will, and we have been saying all year long that, and I don't want to use the F word when it comes to the Packers, but we did know that you can run on the Packers. That's, that's sort of their weakness. They showed that, uh, at various points in time throughout the year. And 
the 49ers went in there. And look, this 49ers team with coach by Kyle Shanahan is intimately familiar with the Packers coaching staff. Robert Sala, the defensive coordinator, went to college with Matt LaFleur at Central Michigan, as we pointed out in the pod. Mike Pettin used to be Kyle Shanahan's boss. And on the first Raheem Mostert touchdown, which was a 36-yard play on third and eight from the Green Bay 36, a beautiful trap play. It was like a delay handoff up the gut, and Mostert took off. Like, you could tell that Kyle Shanahan knew exactly what defense Mike Pettin was bringing on that play breach. And, uh, frankly, your little alter ego got outcoached. Uh, I mean, hey, I picked the 49ers because of everything you said. It just felt like the 49ers knew exactly everything that the Packers were going to do. It was like they were one step ahead of him the entire game. You mentioned uh, Pettin when he was with the Browns. Shanahan was the offensive coordinator, so he had a front-row seat to kind of everything Pettin was doing. And when you learn someone's tendencies up front, this isn't watching film. This is working with them day to day, knowing exactly what they were going to do. And Shanahan knew exactly how to attack everything the Packers were going to do on defense. And then on the reverse side of the ball, you have Matt LaFleur coming up with the plays for the Packers. He's got to worry about Robert Sala, who is literally not just his college roommate, but they were groomsmen in each other's weddings. So, like, they're very familiar with each other. Plus, Mike LaFleur was the 49ers passing game corner. Matt LaFleur's brother is on the 49ers coaching staff. And so those between Robert Sala and Mike LaFleur, those are two people who are intimately knowledgeable of what Matt LaFleur does and what he's going to try to do. And this, I mean, it felt like a no-win situation for the Packers going in. I'm sure uh, by midway through the second quarter, we were all, you know, can they just have a running clock on this game? Because it's over. Did you see uh, Mike and Matt LaFleur hugging before the game? Did I see that? It was awesomely awkward because Matt comes up. He's like, hey, like, hey, my man, Michael, like, how you doing? And Mike was like, um, I got to go over here. Like, you can tell he's like, he's like making some excuse. Like, I got to go over here. And Matt's like, okay, like, little brother, I love you. He's like, see you, buddy. Like, you, like, Matt was like all excited to see his bro in the field. It was like the Harbaugh brothers. Like, John was like, hey, Jim, it's good to see you. And Jim's like, hello, John. Jonathan, I must be moving on to the field for coaching when milk and steak. Milk and steak. Uh, worth noting, and we know this, I'll just repeat it. 49ers won four games last year, had the second overall pick. Mm-hmm. People are talking about this on Twitter, but it's worth uh, pointing out again. Uh, partly because I'll be at the Senior Bowl starting um, when you hear this, and this is sort of where it, it started. Senior Bowl for- the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's where it started for the 49ers because Kyle Shanahan was coaching the the um, Senior Bowl squad last year. So they took Nick Bosa in the first round, Debo Samuel in the second round, Mitch Wisnowski, which is um, Breach's favorite player in, in these games, the punter, Drake Greenlaw, who took over for Quan Alexander. They took him in the fifth round, and Justin Skule, who's a, who's a backup offensive tackle. All guys who contributed, all guys who had a lot to do with how this team turned it around and went from the second-worst team in the league to – the best team in the NFC and, and now trying to win a Super Bowl. So drafts matter, people. Keep that in mind uh, if I'm tweeting a bunch of stuff about the Senior Bowl next week and you're like, this is stupid. Just well, know. Ryan, so you're saying you can go from coaching staff of the Senior Bowl to participant in the Super Bowl the next year? Is that what I'm hearing here? Uh, Patricia. No, Matt he's Patricia talking about that. I'm talking about the Bengals, Brinson, but also Matt Patricia would also qualify uh, in this instance. Uh, and the fun thing – 
everything Ryan just mentioned about the draft is important because the 49ers only won four games last year. Here's your fun fact. They are just the third team in NFL history to go from four wins or less in the prior season and make the Super Bowl the next season. The only other two teams to do that, the 1999 Rams and the 1988 Cincinnati Bengals, who played the 49ers in the Super Bowl in Miami, where this Super Bowl is being held. Isn't that where you were born on the field? That is where I was conceived on the field, yes. Oh, <laughs> halftime show. <laughs> no, I was I was at that game. So the only time I've ever – I was in Miami to watch the 49ers in the Super Bowl when I was seven years old, and now I'm going to be there covering them uh, as an adult. So it's my life's come full circle, Brinson. Yeah, and the Bengals, uh, like the 49ers a year before them, will be at the Senior Bowl. Uh <laughs> That's where it ends. Ryan points out the draft, though, but like in all seriousness, I mean, Mike McGlinchey, Dante Pettis, who hadn't been a big impact player this year, but you know, has made some plays for the 49ers in the past. Fred Warner's third round pick has been a super, like a, a stud. Like he's a borderline defensive player of the year candidate. George Kittle, fifth round pick. He's an all pro tight end, an unbelievable blocker. Akella Witherspoon, Witherspoon is a third round pick that they got in 2017. CJ Beathard, third round pick they got in 2017. Um, you know, and all the defensive linemen they drafted the last four or five years in the first round. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, like, just under – like, you look at – and we sort of made fun of the the free agent acquisitions, too. Like, like you look at what John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have done, and we, we – you know, we not – it's like, look, they could be on the hot seat if they don't win this year. They signed Richard Sherman. They signed Quan Alexander. Those were two huge additions. They traded for D Ford and signed him to a big contract, uh, another massive def- defensive addition. Uh, the, you know – they they signed Mr. Juice Check when he first got there, and everybody's like, "They're paying a fullback. This is crazy." But he's been huge, and he's a great blocking fullback and can catch passes. So yeah, I mean, like they have done a tremendous job building up this roster. Uh, John Lynch said, yeah, "Even the Jarek McKinnon one, you, okay, you made a mistake. You, you paid him too much. That's fine. All the other ones, including Manny Sanders, who they traded for during the season, those have all been home runs or you know doubles." Kevin Coleman, I think double. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Didn't cost as much as Jarek McKinnon, but. We'll quit talking about that. I mean, I think Jerry, a healthy Jerry McKinnon would be awesome in Kyle Shanahan's offense. He just tore his yeah. uh, We should bring up Aaron Rodgers because the 49ers won this game handily. Uh, Debo Slack to me, like our DMs. Yeah, Maybe. I hacked into it. You got a problem? Well, like, this has happened uh, at least three or four times. and We haven't, haven't said anything, but like. Are D- you now double checking to make sure I'm not CC'd on your Slack messages? No, Breach is the human Siri. So, like, if you say something to your wife, or your buddy, and it shows up on your phone the next time you check Twitter. That that's breach. Before I mean, like, we moved on from Titans and and Chiefs, Debo slacked me Dennis Kelly, but Ryan was like, "Let's not forget about Dennis Kelly." Like as he was slacking it, and then like he had just written, "Let's hit on Rogers," and Breach is like diving into Rogers. So by all means, go away. Go ahead. Yeah, well, I was gonna say is that look, they came out, they struggled, they went punt, punt, punt. So, boom, you're not looking good. Finally, finally, they get a drive going. And they had a chance. This was their only chance to get back in the game. It was 17 to nothing at this point. They get a drive going, and he fumbles the snap. That's something you see from a rookie quarterback in minicamp, not a guy who's been in the NFL since 2005, fumbling the snap. The 49ers recover, and, uh, you know, that's where it got ugly. The, the Packers had driven down to San Francisco's 25-yard line, and then San Francisco recovered, got a field goal, made it 20 nothing on the Packers' next possession. Rodgers threw a pretty ugly interception, uh, and then the 49ers turned around got a touchdown. So instead of 17 nothing, or if the Packers score on either of those drives, instead of 17-7, 17-10, 
all of a sudden it's 27 nothing and it's game over and it's it was cuz of Rodgers. I mean, it was you can't pin those on anyone else. It was a bad throw and uh you can't fumble the snap. So, it was really uh, he made some great second half throws, but they were in garbage time. I don't care about those. He messed up in the first half when they needed him not to mess up. And Rodgers knows that his own football mortality is kind of creeping on him too. Yeah, we weren't picked uh, by most people to win our division. Um, and we found a way to not only do that, but win a home playoff game and get to this spot. Just kind of felt like it was uh, meant to be almost. So that is a little disappointing, a little more disappointing. Then you realize, you know, uh, you know, I don't have the same number of years ahead of me as I do behind me. So it's uh, slightly more disappointing. You know, I mean, yeah, it was. Uh... Can I say something while you're thinking? Yeah, sure. I was watching that, and part of me is like, I wonder if he he's had enough. If he if he just wants to be like, you know what, this is a wrap. I'm gonna go hang out with Danica Patrick, drive some race cars. I don't want to do this anymore. At any point, do you think that maybe Aaron Rodgers might think about calling it or no? No. No. Okay. I mean, so all right, let, let's let me ask you this. Ash Breach first, because he's his coach. Is Aaron, <laughs> is Aaron Rodgers still good? He's not Aaron Rodgers good. If you're talking about compared to the Aaron Rodgers of five years ago, he's not even near that. Is he still a top half of the NFL quarterback, top 16? I would say yes. And if you're top 16 and he wants to stay, you have to keep him. Now, if I'm the Packers, you also have to think that, hey, we're going to need a quarterback in the next year or two because based on this past season, I don't think Aaron Rodgers can be effective for more than, say, two more years at the most. And that's, you know, average effective, slightly above average. So I do think the Packers have to start thinking about what they're going to do at quarterback because I don't think he's going to be around much longer. I would say two years at the most. Uh, I'll say quickly, Brinson. Oh, I, was, I have a follow-up for Breach, sorry. Okay, he, he was he was 13th in value per play, so he's not far off from the 16th that Breach was mentioning. Would you trade the number one overall pick in the 2020 NFL draft for Aaron Rodgers? Uh, that is, unless you're throwing in also the Packers first round pick and like fifth round pick. No. And Aaron, pa- Aaron Rodgers for a first round pick straight, uh, the number one overall pick straight up, not happening ever. Rodgers and the Packers first overall or first pick for the number one overall pick. What are the Packers pick? Like 28, 29? Probably still not doing it. Okay. I wouldn't do it either. For two years? Why? You have Joe Burrow for 15 years. You have, and it's, and it's going to sound crazy. It's going to sound crazy. But Andy Dalton's not a huge step down from Aaron Rodgers at this point. Aaron Rodgers is better, but you're That's not good. you're not going to give up the number one overall pick when you're only getting uh, a little bit of a step up from Chris, what you have. You were making sense until the last thirty seconds. Okay, fine, but I'm not doing the trade. <laughs> this is what they call it, like in the spy world. It's like the honey pot or whatever. Like they call it an archer. Like this is a design fly trap for this Andy Dalton. As Bruce is talking. As Rich was talking, I was thinking about two things. One, Aaron Rodgers never throws interceptions. And I, all I could think about was the Andy Dalton facing the Patriots and just throwing as many pick sixes as possible. There's no way they're the same quarterback or even close. Uh, by the way, Brett Favre in his last year before they ran him out of Green Bay, he was fifth in value per play. So he was much better at this stage of his career, a little older probably than Aaron is now, um, than Rodgers played in, in 2019. And you can blame, you know, you can blame not having the pass catchers or whatever, but Rodgers, as Breach pointed out, has not been the Aaron Rodgers were used to seeing. Yeah. Um, I don't think I would do the number one pick either, but it, like, 
if you had said that two years ago or like even before this season, people well, like, what, oh, offensive scheme. Like I think people would have been like, I mean, what about Brinson? Brinson? What about the number seven pick, the Panthers? Will they trade it for Aaron Rodgers? Is two of there? Yes or no? No, he's long gone. Then, yeah, they might do that. Oh, Joe Brady gets a toy older than him. I think the Panthers are going to tear it all down and rebuild, but that's a different story. That's a, that's a story for another day. Um, anyway, look, do, uh, okay, was the, um, was the, uh, I don't, I'm trying to do this in a way that we don't bash the Packers. We did them wrong last week. I apologize for it. I don't want to thrash the Packers. We did, we did a bad job of it. The, so you, if we would have been nice to them last week, would it be okay to thrash them this week? No, uh, we didn't. We didn't give them their due last week. Was th- does it, does this loss in any way? And you talk, we heard Rogers talk about. Does this loss in any way diminish a thirteen and three season? Do we think the Packers were more lucky, uh, or should this be like this is a good building block for Matt Lafleur, and they're going to have another shot? Rogers, by the way, now zero and three career against the 49ers in the playoffs, and he's lost three straight NFC Championship games. Ouch. Yeah, it's tough to it's tough to win. Um, the the 49ers were a better team. They were playing on the road. They got down early, and getting down early, other than the fumble, the the the, the mishandled snap, none of that was really Rogers' fault. He wasn't playing run defense. Uh, they got treaded from start to finish. We talked about Garoppolo not having to throw the ball. Um, look, the defense has a lot of good young players. I don't know if this means Mike Patton needs to to figure out what to do better, whether they move on from Mike. I don't know, but they have pieces in place defensively. I, I do wonder. What the long-term plan is, and that means is Breach pointing out two plus years out, is with Aaron Rodgers. But they need to get a wide receiver to help Devontae Adams. They had a lot of injuries there. Um, all those guys are sort of the same type, body type, tall, sort of downfield guys. No one's super dynamic outside of Adams. You need a tight end. Jay Sternberger, I think, scored a touchdown. He made a few plays. He's a rookie, so that's encouraging. Aaron Jones is good, but um, I, I think Graham had a few huge plays. Yeah, I don't know if I feel good about him long-term, though. Just, oh, and I want to ask you this, Ryan, since you're the draft guy. You said they need a wide receiver. Would you say most of their draft needs right now are on offense? Well, their defense, if their run defense sucks. I mean, you could get you, you could think about someone in the middle of the defense, the defensive tackle. But, yeah, I think wide receiver is a obvious need. But, I mean, Brian Balaga, is, he may be in the last year of his deal, one or two years left, so you may need to draft offensive line. And that's never a bad thing. If you're confused about who to draft, draft an offensive or defensive lineman and go about, look, I mean, it works for the 49ers. It works for the Titans. So um, that's not a bad place to start. you got to protect Aaron Rodgers. Well, and I was going to say this, just that that's why the Aaron Rodgers question is so important because if, if you're going to spend draft capital on wide receivers or an offensive tackle because Vlaga is in the last year of his, his contract's done right now, uh, as you just said, it expires after the 2019 season. If you're drafting wide receivers, offensive tackles, and using that draft capital in those positions, and Rodgers is regressing at a quick rate, uh, you know, because obviously he wasn't as good this year as he was two or three years ago, and, and say he's even worse next season, now you just spent your draft improving the offense when it's not going to do you any good if Rodgers still is, you know, playing below average football. And he holds the ball more than any other quarterback in the league, and, and that doesn't matter who your offensive line is, so that's something that – you can't really game plan around. I think that was reportedly part of Matt LaFleur's frustration early on. I don't know if that changed. When you win 13 games, you can sort of overlook some things. So I, I, I do wonder also, and um, either you can pipe up on this, I do wonder if we're going to see uh, regression with Matt LaFleur just because I feel like he did overachieve in year one. 
the expectations weren't there to win 13, 13 games. 13 wins is not replicable year after year after year after year. I mean, even the Patriots don't do that. The Packers are probably going to fall back to something like. Hey, that, don't say it. I was going to say, I was going to upset the over under nine and a half. Um, that's what it'll be. I bet actually when it opens up, barring like some really surprising changes. Uh, I would probably take the, I, I mean, I would take the under because I'm think that, you know, you, just the way that football works, you have a better chance to go in nine seven than you do ten or plus. Um, and they had eight plays for eighteen yards in their first three drives, and it didn't feel. And I saw uh, our buddy Aaron Nagler mention this. It did feel like maybe Lafleur made a mistake in this game, trying to put the ball in Rogers' hands and let him do everything. And it started with the first drive. They punted on fourth and one from midfield. Yeah, you can't do that. You got to come out and be aggressive. Yeah, I mean, you got, if you got to give it to Aaron Rodgers, you got to give it to him fourth and one in the middle of the field when you know what you're up against on the road against a really good defense. That to me said, eh, I'm sort of nervous. And the other thing about the Packers too, and I don't, again, like I don't want to thrash the Packers, but in both games against San Francisco and in any game that, in like the Chargers game, you felt like they never scared you with a comeback. Like they went, they won as front runners this year, and that's fine. Or like in close games, but like they never felt like they could scare you if they were getting beat early. And that, I mean, when they were down twenty-seven nothing. It's like, I mean, if, I mean, it, it never, it never really felt scary. So they got a lot of a lot of questions this off season. I think they have a good roster. I think they can come back and be an impressive team in the NFC. Probably take a step back, but maybe in year two of Matt LaFleur's system. This is the first time Aaron Rodgers has ever rebooted the offense in his entire career with the Packers. So, uh, there were some change, you know, there were some, you know, some uh, adjustments to be made and he, he made them. Uh, Can I ask more question? You may. Who wins more games next year? John and or Breach. John and or Breach. John and or Brinson. Um, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers or Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys? Ooh, that's a great question. We can save it for later. I just I, I would take the Cowboys just because I think they play in an easier division. Season, yeah, I take the Cowboys. There's always a first year head coach bounce back, you know. Um, okay, uh, we got to point out real quickly that uh, Richard Sherman um, just destroyed <laughs> Darrell Revis on uh, the Twitter machines. Yeah. So Revis tweets out in in the fourth quarter of. This game, the, the Packers 49ers game. Fear of getting beaten, man to man coverage. Every snap, every play. The fact that he doesn't travel as a cornerback is lame. Accept the challenge. He misspelled accept. He spelled it E-X-C-E-P-T. Um, the challenge is the best and shut Adams down, Devontae Adams down the entire game. Do it for the game of football. Stop hiding a cover three zone. He took a screenshot of Sherman being beaten on that long 60 plus yard pass play to Devontae Adams. Reva, uh, Sherman naturally found the tweet very quickly. Uh, and by the way, like within minutes of tweeting that, Sherman makes the game-ending interception. Uh, wasn't in man coverage, whatever, it's fine. Uh, Sherman goes onto Twitter and uh, about 15 minutes you know, after the game, tweets, I would go in on this. I would go in on this has been, but I have a Super Bowl to prepare for. Enjoy the view from the couch. Your ninth year looks a lot different than this. L-M-A-O. <laughs> I would just say one thing. Revis was completely wrong. But you actually called him out for misspelling except he spelled except right. <laughs> he did? Somebody else called him out in the comments. He did, right? Yeah. <laughs> so of all the things. That's that, not how you spell except. E X C E P T. 
Yeah, you wouldn't say accept the challenge. Oh, oh, I was just looking at the grammatical spell- spelling. You're right. You used, you, you, Ellen, get out of here, faux clown. You used the wrong. He used the wrong. Uh, Ellen, you're getting dunked on by a state guy when it comes to academics. Well, I was reading the. I was reading. And I goes. I think that's how you spell accept. I had to double check. But yeah, you're right. I and it is, I will say this. No, you you got a you got a little layup on me. I'll give you that. It is weird that Revis would say this because I've heard several cornerbacks, Ike Taylor, um, Sherman's talked about this as well. When you play on one side, especially when you play on the defensive left, and Joe Hayden does this as well for the Steelers. You do it for a reason because you always see the quarterback, a right-handed quarterback, is always looking at your half of the field when he drops back, and it allows you to to read certain route combinations a lot easier than if you're running around back and forth. And um, we'll have to ask BMAC about that at the Super Bowl. Because he would definitely know. But it's a weird thing for Revis to say who's going to be a Hall of Famer. It just goes back to their – I don't even remember what their original beefs were about. They always beef. Sherman has never been given the best cornerback in the game title, even though he was the best cornerback in the game for at least one year. Revis, at his peak, was better. But, like, like he's just mad that Sherman plays zone. But, like, Sherman's great at what he does. He takes away one side of the field. And he actually moved a little bit, I believe, uh, in this game, as Debo has pointed out to me. Um, all right, we're going to get to the Super Bowl preview real quick. We're going to try and get out in 90 minutes, so be a record for this podcast. But Sean's clearly the problem. When he's not here, we can move right through it. That's right. Um, well, we're already at an hour, so we're not oh, going to. Never mind. And I'm about to read a promo for, look, I got to tell you, football, there's only one football game left. And I'm sad because football is gone. But that means that I get to dive into my true love. I'm serious when I say this. Golf. And the PGA Tour is back, baby. It's back on CBS for the 2020 Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Pines. Ryan, we did a live blog at Torrey Pines. Remember Tiger Torrey's ACL and beat out Rocco the Plumber? 2008, baby. That's how long ago that was. Yeah. The First Cut Podcast is back, too. It's your destination for all things regarding Tiger's 2020 season debut. What are we talking about, Tiger? Tiger's an eight-time winner at Torrey Pines. His most memorable victory. Oh, coming in the 2008 U.S. Open, Tuesday's first cut episode, will feature an extensive DFS embedding preview from gurus Rick Get- – I don't know how to pronounce Rick's last name. It doesn't matter because that's Ru- Rick Run Good. You know what Rick Run Good said? He said that he knew Scotty Scheffler in the one and done. He cr- I, read- I watch Rick's videos on DFS. I love golf DFS. He, uh, he slayed it this week. Download and subscribe to the First Cut Podcast wherever you find Pick 6 for top-notch golf analysis and reactions. Rick actually, he kills it. He uh, he said Ricky Fowler, who was leading early, and uh, Scotty Scheffler were some of the plays for one and done. Those guys would have made you some cash. Nobody had Andrew Landry winning this thing on Sunday. Um, except Ryan predicted Andrew Landry would win. Yep. Talking about Nationals baseball. What are you talking about, Diva? My true love? That's your true love. Nationals baseball. Oh, man, I love football season going away. I can really settle in on the sports I love, baseball and golf. Um, all right, so Super Bowl preview. I don't really mean that. I love football. 49ers versus Chiefs. Chiefs minus one. We did our YouTube look ahead uh, to break down the lines. We are apparently already getting flambéed in the commentary by 49ers fans who want to know why we all picked the Chiefs. Why did you pick the Chiefs, Ryan? Uh, two words, Patrick Mahomes, and I'll also repeat what I said at the beginning of the YouTube exclusive. Andy, Andy Reid, off, off the, the bat. Andy Reid, off the bat. Yes, yeah, so little, that, that's my concern. Your speed's a little off on it, right? Andy Reid, off the bat. Andy Reid, off the bat. There you go. 
Yeah, well, we're doing it from 500 miles apart, so it makes it a little more difficult to, to time up the, the lip syncing. But, yes, we both agree. Andy Reid off the buy is dangerous. Breach, what's the stat? 19-3 and three straight up in his career, including the playoffs, when coming off a buy. That's a pretty strong stat. But I will say this about the 49ers. None of, none of the fans on YouTube yelling at us will, will hear this, but uh, Daniel Jeremiah points this out, and, and it's something to keep in mind. Uh, San Francisco's defense rushes four, and they rush four better than any defense in the NFL, and that's exactly what you have to do to, to beat Patrick Mahomes in this offense. You can't have five and six guys trying to rush Patrick Mahomes and get him off off his spot because he will beat you to death. So it'll be a good matchup defensively versus that offense. But if the train gets rolling in, in terms of the Andy Reid offense with Patrick Mahomes as a conductor, that can make for a long afternoon. But I, I don't. This isn't going to be. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think the spread when we talked about it was minus one KC, and if it's within a touchdown, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I mean that is. It's fascinating because neither of these coaches really. It's been 15 years since Andy Reid has been in a Super Bowl, and you don't know how a coach is going to respond to that kind of pressure. Because let's be honest, we've seen the Chiefs choke away some of the craziest playoff games ever, and they've kind of overcome that because they've they had some good comebacks the past two weeks, came back from 24 nothing, came back down from 17-7, but it still happens to this team, and that's something you're always worried about. If you're a Chiefs fan, that's something you think about in the back of your head, but on the flip side, it's not like Kyle Shanahan. I mean, the last time we saw him in a Super Bowl, uh, he lost his playbook. He lost the Falcons' offensive playbook in Houston, and luckily a reporter found it and returned it instead of, like, the wrong hands getting on it. And then obviously he was the offense coordinator who was coming up with the plays that did not get the Falcons to a Super Bowl win because they blew a 28-3 lead. So those are not good Super Bowl memories for the coaches. But, you know, if you just look straight up at what these two teams are going to do, Ryan mentioned a lot. It's strength on strength with the Chiefs passing game versus the 49ers passing game. But I just I think that Patrick Mahomes is so good, he absolutely gives them an edge. And, and the thing is, if you look at both teams on offense, you know, I do think the 49ers have a better offense, or the Chiefs have a better offense, even though the 49ers are equally explosive. I think they average more points per game this season than the Chiefs did. But it's like you look at 49ers' best players, George Kittle, where the Chiefs have their own George Kittle because they have Travis Kelsey, who's just as good at tight end. The Chiefs have a better receiving core. Uh, I just think that it's going to be close. There's a reason this is a one-point spread, and I-, I like Kansas City right now, but I could change my mind in the next five days. I want to like Kansas City. I want Kansas City to win for Andy Reid, and I'm picking. I'm going to pick Kansas City because I picked him back in. I hope people listen. By the way, on this podcast, when I said before Week 17 to take the Chiefs at seven to one to win the Super Bowl, you guys remember that, right? I said that a bunch, didn't I? Yeah, right after you talked about Garrett Bradbury winning the rookie team. You know, how often did I say it? I, I don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you said it. We got you. Go ahead. All I'm saying is that if you have that, now you can hedge off. You can take the Chief, you can take the 49ers at plus one and a half, and then you have a window. Chiefs win the Super Bowl by one, and you're making a bunch of money. I, I wouldn't mind that um, necessarily. I think part of my concern here is that I don't know – if the Chiefs, I don't think, so like we saw the Chiefs, what the Chiefs did against the Texans. We saw what they did against the Titans. I don't think they can do it as easily against the, the 49ers. This 49ers team is much, much better at rushing the passer and much, much better on the back end in terms of defensive coverage uh, than those other than the Titans and the Texans. Having said that, 
I don't know that the matchups are very good for the 49ers from a defensive perspective because we talk about Richard Sherman. He can take away one side of the field, and he's awesome doing that. Um, but Andy Reid schematically can – you have Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Miko Hardman, Travis Kelsey, Damian Williams catches a bunch of passes. They have all these guys who can sort of move around in different spots and, and, and catch balls from every single position that I don't know if it's it's a good – matchup for the 49ers from that perspective like I just think you can see the Travis Kelsey sort of posting up in zones you can see Tyree Hill taking the top off like Richard Sherman and 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 Richard Sherman is not a good matchup for like he matches up poorly against Tyree Hill you know what I'm saying who who doesn't well but like Sherman you want big lanky powerful wide like a Mike Evans type like that's who Richard Sherman maybe Steph Gilmore is the only person that could do a a decent job, not even a good job against Tyreek. Tyreek Hill is, I mean, impossible. I mean, he's just, yeah, he's small. He, he's, he, he runs. I guarantee you this. Richard Sherman is going to dominate Sammy Watkins. I hate to say it. <laughs> if they waste Richard Sherman on, I mean, I, I bet Andy Reid will throw Sammy Watkins to, to the wolves and say, go, go deal with Richard Sherman and get him out of my face. Well, let me ask you guys this. So against the Texans, the Chiefs were down 24 nothing. Uh, against the Titans, they were down 10 nothing. Let's say they get down. 14 nothing in the first quarter. That's a problem. In the Super Bowl to the 49ers. How do you feel about the 49ers winning that thing over the final 45 minutes? Um, if it's 14 nothing at the end of the first quarter, I think the 49ers live would be minus three and a half. That's it. Maybe minus five. You, they're just, they got, Vegas got torched in that Texans game for a ton of money on the live betting. Thanks, market. Bill O'Brien. Because like everybody and their brother was peppering Kansas City as a short favorite, and then as a dog, and then it was over by halftime. Um, and the same thing sort of happened with Tennessee. Like Tennessee was never favored when they were up seventeen seven; they were plus one twenty, and like on the money line because Vegas was like, nope, nope, not doing it, not getting burned again. And so I think they'll be cautious there. Um, I just think the difference is like if the Forty ers have a fourteen point lead, they can do what the Titans wanted to do, which is get downhill with Derrick Henry. And I don't know that the Chiefs will just completely snuff out the 49ers run game. Now, Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo is a huge X factor here. He yep. threw passes in this game. Eight. You know, one thing I was going to say about that that I didn't was that after he got hit, he took a sack, he got bent in a weird position. And Do- Dr. David Chow, our boy, yeah. On Twitter was saying he's lucky he didn't like re tear his ACL or seriously injure his ankle or knee. Did and you it, see the did you see the the angle that Fox showed where he was like yeah. screaming and like grabbing his knee? Right. And so he had thrown five passes up to that point. He only threw three after that. And part of me at the end of the game wondered whether that that played uh, a role where Kyle Shanahan did not want to put him in harm's way. He's thinking, hey, look, our run game's going. I don't need to do this to Jimmy. He doesn't need to be taking these hits. Let's get him through this game because our run game can handle it on its own right now. And, and then he has two weeks to heal, and we'll get to the Super Bowl. And, and that is really kind of what it felt like. And one thing, since Sean's not here to throw out DVOA, I will say that uh, the Chiefs played four of the top eight DVOA defenses this year, and they beat all four teams. That's a fun fact. Would um, Hypothetically, if Jimmy Garoppolo had to miss the Super Bowl, what would that do to the point spread, do you think? Who's the I, number two? Is it Beathard? Yeah. I mean, I think Chiefs would be like six-point favorites. 
I think it'll only go up to three. No way. I think a much closer to seven. You're talking about taking out the start. I mean, like Jimmy G's not that great, but like you're taking out the starting quarterback and plugging in a backup for the freaking Super Bowl. First passes he's, he's thrown all year, I believe. Yeah, it's, it's like a Nick Foles situation where he's been like just right. sort of blacking out and getting hot. He's got to step in and do the, take care of the Super Bowl. Right, but you're also talking about two uh, quarterbacks that got plenty of experience last season with Garoppolo with the torn ACL, and they I, I, ran I, I, the I, offense pretty efficiently. I mean, the 49ers weren't winning because their defense wasn't great, but there were games where, I mean, both quarterbacks, uh, well, let me, Nick let me, Mullins is – Nick Mullins is, is – is Nick Mullins a backup or is it – Nick Mullins is the backup. Beathard's the third string, I think. So it'd be Nick Mullins in there. And Nick Mullins had a pretty strong season. I don't think it would be – Garoppolo's not worth six points is what I'm saying. Let me, I don't let, think it would be seven. Let me put it this way. I think that – I think we're I think we're both right. I think that Breach is correct. The drop-off from Jimmy G to the backup is not worth five points. But I would not be surprised if the initial reactionary move in Vegas was to bump it really far so that way people – couldn't get the Chiefs for cheap. And if, it, might, it might not be worth a speculative buy now on the Chiefs before. Like, if what are they like, Jimmy G towards ACL? Like, yeah, he did, because he would have been yelling and screaming, and he would have been limping around. I mean, like Reed said, how do we know he didn't throw the ball? Yeah, but, I mean, he went back out there. And unless you're Phillip Rivers, you're not going back out there when you tear your ACL. Or Jay Cutler. Did he have a torn ACL? He did or something just, in that or just 2010 hurt. game. Your point, by the way, uh, Baltimore won in DVOA this year uh, by f- far, number one. Kansas City, two. They beat Baltimore, of course. Didn't they beat Baltimore? Yeah. They beat Baltimore. Uh, New England, three. Kansas City beat them. New Orleans, four. San Francisco beat them. San Francisco, five. Dallas, Minnesota, Seattle, Tennessee, Green Bay, your top ten in DVOA. Okay. Um, so we think – and that total has uh, – has Yeah, so five. they beat four of the top ten, not four of the top eight. Those. Hey, in terms of value per play, Jimmy GQ was 11th, which is ahead of Aaron Rodgers, and Deshaun Watson. Make of that what you will. Not last year, Nick Mullins was 18th, which was impressive for Nick Mullins coming out of nowhere, but I think it's slightly more than not much of a drop-off between Jimmy G and Nick Mullins. If Patrick Mahomes didn't play and Matt Moore did, then it would point spread would switch about 10 points. <laughs> yes, it would, John. Uh, the total at the Westgate, it's already 53-and-a-half at the Westgate. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it climbed. I don't think it'll get above 56. I mean, that would be insane. I mean, that's, you know, that's a, that's eight touchdowns. Um, but I mean, 55 wouldn't be crazy. This could be a high scoring game. Like we got 57 points from the Packers and the 49ers in that game. And that total was 45. So, um, so I, would, I, what I said on the YouTube exclusive last year's Patriots Rams was 55 and a half. They scored 16 points. There's no way this, these two teams score less than 20 points. Did you like the over last year in that game? I can't even remember that far back. Okay. Of course. I mean, who knew that Sean McVay was going to be awestruck by seeing Bill Belichick in person and, and decide to throw away his play sheet? Yeah. I mean, there could have been a few more points scored there, but I mean, like 16 was, was not ideal. Uh, okay. Uh, anything else from the preview that you guys want to mention about this game? We're all uh, yeah, the- I will just say that the over was – the thing opening at 52 points, the over-under, was a little bit weird because these are – 49ers and Chiefs were two of the five scoring, highest scoring teams in the NFL this year. 49ers averaged 29.9 points per game. The Chiefs, that was second highest behind only the Ravens. Chiefs averaged 28.2, which was behind, which was number five in the NFL. And the Chiefs are averaging 43 points per game in the playoffs. So, like, 
I don't think the 49ers aren't going to score because the Chiefs defense hasn't been great. They've been giving up points despite these huge blowout wins. Uh, so, uh, you know, it feels like the 49ers are going to get theirs. It's just whether or not the Chiefs are going to be able to outscore them. You know what I would actually like in this game? First half under, second half over. I could see both teams kind of coming out a little slow, running the ball, Super Bowl nerves. You've been off two weeks. Um, you know, you're trying to, trying to creep, you know, creeping in like that. And then all of a sudden, second half gets insane and we see a ton of points. I would also like to say that this Super Bowl will cap a great run of sports for the Bay Area over the past decade from the 2010 season to the 2019 season, because this is the end of the 2019 season. The Bay Area had 10 teams or 10 major sports finals. Uh, the Giants in three World Series, the Warriors in five NBA finals, and now the 49ers in their second Super Bowl. You forgot to mention the Raiders. And, and, and hockey, you jerk. How about the Sharks? <sighs> Do the Sharks want a Stanley Cup in there, Brinson? Yes, of course. No. Don't you pay any attention? They were in one, right? Whatever they, they just in it. Just in it. Okay. They were in it to win it. They were in it to win it, at least. Um, and the Kings want to – do the Kings count? That's Los Angeles. Come on, that's, dude. That's Sacramento. Are they in Sacramento now? No, oh, I thought, I'm talking about the NBA team. Oh, yeah. No, I'm talking about the, the baseball team, the Kings. They play in <laughs> Oakland. The Oakland Kings. Uh-huh. Are you yeah. done? The A's, I, made, I, I, the A's made the playoffs a few times, Brinson. I can get one of you on that. <laughs> we, we don't have Brinson's kidding anymore. Uh, all right. Winners and losers from Sunday's divisional action. Who wants to go first? Breach, you can. Give me a winner. Uh, the winner is Andy Reid because, by God, he's going back to the Super Bowl. I can't wait to see his collection of Hawaiian shirts. Usually we only get to see him at the annual coaches meeting. There is no way he's not going to be wearing them on South Beach. So by all accounts, that doesn't just make Andy Reid the winner. That makes us, the viewing public, the winner because we get to see that man uh, parading around in his Hawaiian shirts. Uh, my winner was going to be Andy Reid, and I was going to sing it, but Breach didn't even sing it. And stole Andy my- Reid, off the bye. Andy yeah. Reid, off the bye. <laughs> Ryan is not high because he's know my song about off the bye. Uh, I'm going with Raheem Mostert. Cut seven times uh, at least. Keeps a, a, a little note about how many times and when he was cut. Uses a motivation. It all came together. Perfect timing. Uh, 200-something yards rushing. Four touchdowns, I believe. Hasn't started a, a game this season. Great story, and he will almost certainly be an integral part of their game plan in Super Bowl 54. Uh, I have two winners. And I will then sling it back towards y'all. If you want to do more winners, great. If you want to jump to losers, that's fine. Breaching your next, unless Ryan has a winner. Uh, one winner, Mike McCarthy. What? Uh, what? He's in the Cowboys now. The, the, the Packers did the same thing they did when he was there. What did uh, they do? Is any better? He didn't get to an NFC title game last year. He went to three in a row and lost them all. Yeah, but it vindicates the Packers. They will be firing him. Yeah, you have to explain this one harder, Brinson. Did Aaron Rodgers get better this year when Mike McCarthy left? Would they were just okay? We said we weren't going to thrash the Packers in here. <laughs> Look at us, we it's are. Not. My, I set my own fly trap to get Brinson. <laughs> Your Brinson trap, you fell for it. I just watched them get like, like I don't know. Just it feel Aaron Rodgers. I don't feel like is can for yeah. much season. It was like pointing blame at Mike McCarthy, and I don't feel like you can do that. Like blame him for all the troubles of the Packers now. 
So just so we're clear, listeners, this is Will Brinson making his point. Uh, uh, my for two winner, the, yeah, Tennessee can't wait to hear Titans, this one. <laughs> the Tennessee Titans, because even right. though they lost today, they had a great season. And as Breach has pointed out and has been noted by the CBA, they can tag Derrick Henry and Marcus Mariota this off, I mean, uh, Ryan Tannehill this offseason. And by the way, all the talk about Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott, the Cowboys could do the same thing. So, You know what else is a winner? Oh, wait, real quick on that. I just want to say real quick that if they figure out, if they agree to a new CBA, I think that takes over for the old CBA, and then that you cannot use both tags. So those yeah, teams they, should... They, they, wouldn't, they won't figure out a new CBA by the new league year. They'll just implement it after the 2020 offseason. Because they would have to figure out and sign it. But if they did, they but the teams wouldn't get two tags. Just want to put it out there. There's like a 0.1% chance they hammer out a new CBA by March 18th. As you were talking about the Titans, it reminded me of one more winner. Well, Mike, Mike, to... Vrabel's, Mike Vrabel's wiener. Oh, that's a good point. Mike Vrabel didn't have to cut off his penis. Uh, so that is exciting. Um, do you think, are the Titans in good shape for the long haul? Yeah, I was just thinking, unlike the Packers where we have some trepidation about what, what 2020 might look like, um, you know, you're bringing back Derrick Henry, you're going to get Ryan Tannehill back. Even if Tannehill's 90% of what we saw this season, that defense is going to get better. Dean Pease has done a fantastic job. Uh, the offensive line is good. The playmakers, your boy A.J. Brown you love. Uh, Adam Humphreys came back for the first time in sixth game, and he was a contributor. I think, I think they're the favorites right now in the AFC South for me. But if you're the Titans, are you worried about the fact that, I mean, even if you transition and franchise tag Tannehill and Derrick Henry, you're eventually going to have to pay them uh, and probably a lot of money, especially if Tannehill is just 90% as good as he was this past year. If he's that good next year, he's going to get $30 million a year if he does this again. And Henry is going to get $15 million if he does this again. You're going to have to give him Zeke money. No, no, no. See, no, that's not right. With with Henry – what you do is you transition tag and hope somebody matches somebody who makes him an offer, and then you just match the offer, and so you hope it's like twelve million a year. And then with Tannehill, I think you tag him and just give him a deal before get a deal done before freaking Mahomes does it or Deshaun Watson does it or who right. Else? But that's just kicking the can down the street. If Henry runs for sixteen hundred yards next year on the transition tag, then you have to give him that deal, the no, long term extension after that. You let him walk. You don't you keep let him paying. walk. What? Yeah. Or you franchise tag him. Your whole offense is built around him. Your whole offense is built around that offensive line being really good. Like I said, look, Dion. Uh, what's Dion's last name? I remember. Dion is. He ain't doing what what we saw Derrick Henry do. I mean, we can all agree on that. But I feel like you can't pay him sixteen million dollars a year for three years or whatever. That's just it's crazy talk. Okay, time to d- debate this this off season. All right, more. I got one more winner. Okay. My one more winner is actually three people. It is me. Ryan and Sean, because each week I am apparently need to shower myself with wins. Uh, the three of us picked the Chiefs in the preseason to win the Super Bowl, and they are in the Super Bowl. And uh, I know you should have listened to Brinson before Week 17, but if you listened to us in the preseason, you could have gotten the Chiefs at 11 to one odds. Boom! And, uh, you'd be holding a pretty strong ticket right now. That's not true. They weren't 11 to one. Yeah, they were. You want me to pull up preseason? Yeah, that'd be yeah. Great. Patriots were ahead. Rams. Yeah, go ahead and pull it up. That'd be great if you pull it up. I love how okay. you call up Reese's Bluff. He's about to dunk oh, all way, over. I dunk all over. Should we wait till I pull it up, or what? What do we do? Hey, we have a separate podcast too, where for uh, dunking. No, it's three and a half hours long, and we list 
every single media member who picked the Chiefs to make the Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> I love that. So you, you can never just let someone enjoy their moment. Oh, Brenton, who did, well, who did you pick to win the Super Bowl then in that case? The Vikings, the same team you picked. Oh, dunk on. Every single media member didn't pick the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> All right, what do we got left? Loser? Loser. Yeah. All right, Brenton's a loser because he picked the Vikings. That's mine. What else? <laughs> Who's a loser, Ryan? Um, let's see. Uh, the Titans, I, 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 I think you're right. I think they're the winners. So I think it's sort of Aaron Rodgers only because yeah, that's a good one. he alluded to it in his press conference. I don't know when or if I will be back. And I'm sure he wished he'd played better. They didn't lose because of the way he played. They they lost because their run defense was straight up doo doo. But just in terms of Aaron Rodgers' um, short term career, Breach mentioned he probably has two solid years left. High level Aaron Rodgers play, and there's no guarantee they're coming back. Especially we just talked about are they going to be the same team they were next year? They were this year, probably not. So Aaron Rodgers um, is my loser, even though he's the first ballot Hall of Famer and he's had a fantastic career. Uh, my loser, very quickly, is John Breach, because I was able to find the odds for the Chiefs faster <laughs> than he was and put it in the slack. Six to one. You hate to see it. He's got nothing. You pulled up pro football reference. That's not. Well, Breach is not. Yeah, give me a second. <laughs> what, what, you, what are you going to pull up? Well, I'm going to pull up the correct answer. <laughs> Was a was a professional football d- database too much? Was it not appropriate for finding statistics. Well, I can't make a bet with Pro Football Reference, so yes, that is not a great place. Because why? You got to go someplace where you can actually make a bet. You can't call up Pro yeah, Football Brenton. Reference and make a bet, Brenton. Brenton, well, if you go to if you go to breachbook.com, you'll yeah. find that it's eleven to one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me know the let me know the the bookie that will take the. Preseason Chiefs odds bet right now. I'd like to bet on the Chiefs to play the 49ers in the Super Bowl at uh, 42 to 1. Oh, what does Debo got? Debo, don't call me. Let's see what happens. <laughs> you hate? Oh, dang on it. Breach got dunked on. Yeah. No, he's, he's got him at 7 to 1. Uh, let's see. 25%, man. He's <laughs> eleven to one. There is nowhere on the planet the Chiefs were ever eleven to one before the season started. I, I, it might have been when they were four and two and Matt Moore was in. I'm going to find it. Oh, you guys you, keep talking. I'll uh, bring it up on next podcast. Uh, yeah. you, when Patrick, when we thought Patrick Mahomes was going to be missing for six weeks and his knee might have exploded. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that, but uh, if you made your bet before the season, you were going to get the. You, you then you would rebet. You, you put more money I, on it. I will just so, say this: I don't. I don't like siding with. Explain I don't like. Th- I don't like siding with Brinson typically in these things, but the Bears were twelve to one. <laughs> so you're telling me that the Chiefs are only eleven to one? Oh Lord, have mercy! All right, are we doing losers? Or are we done? What are we doing? The um, yeah. I think my loser, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, who's your loser, Breach? Besides yourself. <laughs> Wait, is it my turn? Yes. If you want it to be. Okay, my loser. Oh, before I should point out that preseason the Bengals were two hundred to one to win. You got eight to one. Are you like trying to grovel with eight to one? This is sad. Get out of here. Uh, no, I'm just showing you that six to one's not the answer. Just give me a second. I don't have time to, oh my to Google. I don't have time to find everything on the internet. Uh, my loser is probably not Sammy Watkins. Definitely not Sammy Watkins. Uh, you know what? 
My loser is Matt LaFleur. I hate to get, do this to my top winger, but if I'm a loser for not being able to find these 11 to 1 odds, he's going down with me. Uh, the one part I do agree with about Brinson saying McCarthy was a winner is that I think Matt LaFleur might have just set the bar too high for himself because there's a lot of pressure in Green Bay. You go 13 and 3, and, and we're talking about, hey, what if they go 9 and 7 next year? That's not good enough anymore. People are going to say, they're going to complain and all of a sudden you're going to be on the hot seat if you have two straight seasons of nine and seven. And so getting the NFC title game, your rookie year as a coach is awesome going 13 and three, but all of a sudden it does feel like you're with the Packers. The bar is set too high. And now if you don't hit double digit wins, you're going to be viewed as a failure. Uh, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to say that Andy Reed is actually a loser because, <laughs> well, if the Packers had beaten the 49ers somehow, and it feels like that never would have happened, Andy Reid was getting his Super Bowl. And so now I think, like, the Chiefs, the Chiefs would have been seven point favorites of the Packers in the Super Bowl, right? Probably, maybe. Yeah. Um, although you're also now backhand, backhanding Packers fans once again on your way out the door. I am, I am sorry. Uh, yeah, I was just, I don't think there are a lot of losers from this. The way this weekend played out, I mean, the, the, the seven point favorites won pretty handily. Um, I don't really think Andy Reid's a loser. He, but I, I firmly believe if the Chiefs were playing the Packers, the Chiefs would win by 30 points and it wouldn't be remotely close. Um, I do think the, the 49ers can give them a problem in the Super Bowl, but it's going to be an awesome game. It's a pick 'em and, uh, man, we're excited to cover it all week long. Coming up, we have Kenny White. This coming week, we got Kenny White. We're going to break down Super Bowl trends. Brian McFadden and Pete Prisco are going to share Super Bowl memories. Sure. Uh, Brady Quinn and uh, Ryan. Well, Brady, well, Brady Quinn will have anyway. It'll be an emergency podcast of Brady. Yeah. And then Ryan will be talking to us from the Senior Bowl. You're leaving. Uh, what time are you leaving? I'll be on the plane noon Monday. Direct flight from Cuse Mobile? <laughs> <laughs> Almost direct. Had to make a stop in Atlanta for three hours. <laughs> Actually not bad to get a one stop. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, all right. And Breach, I'll see you on Sunday. Oh man, we're a week away. We're less than a week away. We're we'll be hanging out in Miami. Hey, listen, just like Andy Reid, go on your diets. Got to fit into your Hawaiian shirts. Uh, oh yeah. Oh, oh man, I should have mentioned this at the top of the show, but I'll mention it right now just in case, uh, anybody's still listening 90 minutes in, but, uh, Heath Cummings has um, has said that we are going to all go. I think on Thursday we're going to go to Concrete Beach. Uh, no, there's a um, there's a brewery we're all going to go to. We'll get details. I'll get details on the next pod and put it out in the beginning. But we're going to if you're in Miami, come hang with us. We'll all be down there on Thursday, pounding IPAs and getting saucy for Devo, for Sean, R.I.P. For Breach and Ryan. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.